There's a chance that little ones might be listening to this podcast, and I got to keep it clean. So, <laughs> you have kept our PG rating. Congratulations. <laughs> yes! Woo! Victory. Nailed it. Red Raiders. Hello. Thread Raiders. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators. With the occasional side quest for quill pens and inkwells. <laughs> I am Fenwald Griswick, one of your hosts for today, and with me I have... Chaotic Anarchy. And we also have a couple of guest hosts today. I want you to say hello to uh, Bethany and Tony and other Tony. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, no. no one of the other Tonys is Rachel. Rachel. It's, Rachel. It's Tony, oh, Rachel. Tony, Tony and other Tony. 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 Rachel. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? That's too complicated. I'm going to call you Rachel and Bethany and Tony. That's, and that should that's simplify everything. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. And they are part of the podcast Rules is Written, correct? Okay, so it's complicated, but technically the podcast is called D&D Raw, but our Twitter handle is Rules is Written because that was our original name. But Raw stands for Rules is Written. It does. Yep. <laughs> so I was correct. You were correct. I was just Excellent. clarifying. <laughs> you were not wrong. <laughs> I like to hear that I'm correct at least two or three times a day, and you have met my, my quota, so that's great. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's all uphill from here then. Yeah. What made you want to change the name? Why do we want to change the name? Well, because originally we started the podcast as a show where we discuss rules as written, and it was <laughs> it was really <laughs> limited in scope. And then we're like, we'd actually like to do more and record an actual play, and we need to figure out a brand that doesn't sound like all we do is talk about rules, though we do talk about rules and we like <laughs> rules. Well, some of us like rules, so Hi. it just kind of evolved from there. <laughs> it was a very well thought out process that happened over the course of like six months and us going. I hope somebody listens to our podcast someday in the first few months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I guess my first question, and I probably already know the answer to this because I think it's Tony, but which of you is the Stacey Keebler of D&D Raw? Tony and other Tonys. <laughs> Both Tonys. The Tonys. Tony and Tony. Tony squared. I could have swore that we settled this question already. Don't we have, we have a Bethany and a Rachel and a Tony? Yes, yes, yes. Right. That's true. Tony's our DM and the one that makes the magic happen, and I do all of the boring administrative stuff because I secretly, not so secretly, love it. <laughs> By boring administrative, I mean, she means the stuff that lets, you know, more people listen to us Scheduling. and get the word out there and actually <laughs> organizes us. Spreadsheets. And Rachel keeps us grounded because I'm a bit of a crazy person and Tony's very intense yeah. about, like, all things D&D. So Rachel's, like, the one who makes us remember to be people. Yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm also the one yeah. that follows random bots on Twitter. And then you yell at me and go, you followed another bot. Now we're no, getting no. spammed. And I go, oops. I was like, no, it was more like, Rachel, did you happen to follow any Turkish bots? Because we're now being followed by dozens of Turkish bots on Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, I may have clicked one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, they were mean Turkish bots. I just didn't have a lot in common with them, you know, tweeting-wise. <laughs> That's understandable. No. Yeah. Not many people do. <laughs> do the Turkish bots send you advertisements for, like, mashed potatoes and corn and yams? No, there was nothing food-related. It was mostly to, like, read their Turkish blogs, yeah. which mm, I think was I mostly, like, the same Turkish blog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd prefer the food ones. Yeah, yeah. Not actual, like, 
turkey that I wanted to eat the other, you know, the other turkey, sadly. Understood. If they were turkeys <laughs> that we were following on Twitter, that I would be more on board with. That would make sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I hear that there is like a D&D raw kitty cats over there, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a little bit of a crazy cat lady, so <laughs> I have rescued cats over time. Tony has been a, my partner in crime, and they're super cute. And they sense when a perfect moment is, by which I mean the worst moment to you know intrude in our podcast by being incredibly needy and clingy and meowing at me. And it's really cute, and I'm totally charmed. And I apologize, but then I let them stay anyways because they're so cute. No. And Rachel, Rachel, Rachel's like the cat godmother. Yeah. They can't yes. actually have any of them because Chris is allergic. But if I could, I would. Cat ladies are our bread and butter. So okay, you good. are in the perfect spot for them. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I'm proud to be a crazy cat lady. I used to be like an apologist, like, I'm sorry. But then I would be like, but I'm married and I have a job. I don't want to be like, you know, enforcing a bad cat lady stereotype. But then I'm like, but I really love my cats. They're awesome. I have a dog too. I love him as well. But... The cats outnumber him, poor thing. Aww. Oh, he's just a big cat. Yeah, he's just a big cat. The cats have taught him how to behave. He is a big cat. And then Sophie teaches him how to dog. Yeah, Rachel has a dog <laughs> who tries to, you know, be a dog influence on my poor dog who thinks he is a large cat because all of his role models are cats. I have a hamster who's teaching me how to build a house. It's incredible. <laughs> it's like a, a master's course in uh, in architecture. Really? Uh, tell us more. Yeah, about what I'm very intrigued by this. Like. <laughs> I have never had a hamster. I'm always mystified by I what have, they do. I have a decide. question, though, about your hamster. All right. Is his name Boo? No. <laughs> his name is Radley, actually. Okay. I, I, I know not. what you're doing with that, Rachel. So, so he's not a space hamster. <laughs> no, he is not a space hamster. I assume. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I was like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Princess Persephone Croft Kerfuffle is the name of the hamster. Oh my goodness! That's yes. super cute. I had to, I had to stop drinking my coffee because I was trying not to spit that. Out. <laughs> Thank you for not spitting coffee. That is amazing. <laughs> this is what happens when you ask the internet to name your pet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On the flip side, it's not much better when we get to name our own pets. So we have we named a bunch of kittens after X-Men because it seemed like the best choice. It was. I still stand by that. It was a good choice. Yeah. So tell us more about the Rumble Squad. Oh. That's me. I'm Rumble yes, Squad. Rachel. That's me. I'm Rachel. That's... Oh, my goodness. Uh, was it? It was because. OK, so we did a one shot. That with, was for um, Podcast of Foes. Yep, for Podcast yep. of Foes. And we were trying to come up with a name, and they originally, we all originally came up with the Justice Crew. And then Bethany stepped away, and we all started to <laughs> riot and come up with a new name, which was going to be Rumble Squad. But she nixed it. So Because we'd already, like, I'd already put together all the stuff for Justice Crew. You guys are like, scrap Justice Crew. We're Rumble Squad. I'm like, I was gone for five minutes. What happened? It already took, like, five to ten minutes to come up with the name Justice Crew. And then all of a sudden, like, Bethany walks away and comes back. And they're like, wait, no, Bethany's back. Shh. And then it was just awkward like chanting squad for the rest chanting of the Rumble session. Rumble Squad at me. And I'm like, Rumble Squad will live to see another day. But for now, we are Justice Crew. Yep. <laughs> So yeah. that would have came time for our new storyline for the podcast because we originally had one party, which we did for our first um, actual play, which was Orenthal. Then we split it to two groups mm-hmm. and and Rachel and I were splitting it into two separate groups. And I was like, you know what? Your group has to be named Rachel. Yes. <laughs> Rumble Squad. <laughs> there was no doubts. I, mean, I think only Chris is the one that kind of puts up some grumble about it and he calls it Grumble Squad. But yep. 
That's because he's That's a grumpy dwarf. Yeah. And because he likes yes. puns, as Chris. <laughs> yeah, he does like puns. Yes. Wait. Can I ask you a question about Ornithal? Sure. sure. Yeah. So, uh, are you guys the last remaining members of the O.J. Simpson fan club, or <laughs> is the club finally making a comeback? Okay, okay, okay. So, I when Tony named this, he was, like, operating under this whole, like, quiet I DM will, process. <laughs> no. Okay, so I went on, like, those random name generators, and I started just flipping through and flipping through until I found one. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And I picked that for this capital city. Up until, like, we were already releasing it, did Bethany goes, you yeah. know, that's, um... Yeah. (laughs) I was like, to be fair, it is spelled differently. It is with an I instead of an E. But if you Google it, you are going to find OJ Simpson. (laughs) So we do not have a stance on OJ Simpson (laughs) as a podcast. (laughs) But it was too late. The ship had sailed. (laughs) So according to your About Us page, there are nine of you. Uh, Do you still stand by that statement? (laughs) No, we've murdered the rest. Whoa, hold on. <laughs> they fought to the death. <laughs> it was an arena battle. There were many knives. So Orenthal is more interactive than a normal podcast is what you're telling me. <laughs> so Orenthal was when there were actually only uh, six of us. Mm-hmm. Six. Yeah, Tony's like, how yeah. many of us were there? It has been so Sorry, many. I'm like, there were five players and me. Yeah. Yes, Tony forgets six. to count himself when he's counting how many people are in the podcast. He's like, there's two groups right now, four players, eight people. I'm like, and you, Tony. And, and me, <laughs> yes. There's me too. I forget about that. Yeah. Don't forget the cats. Yes. Yep. <laughs> the cats don't actually get added to the cast page. Uh, we, we really don't. We really shouldn't. That would be way too many cast members. <laughs> they could be That's honorary speciesism. cast members or like background NPCs. I mean, there's some recordings where there's just nothing I can do. They're there. Yeah. Mm. Inevitable cats. But yeah, yeah, there's nine of us um, because we kind of, Tony had a lot of material he'd been working on building this campaign for a long time. So I was like, well, why not have two groups of adventurers in the same world, like operating under different storylines and different ways. And we'll kind of like have two different styles of play because we realized we were sort of falling into different play styles anyways. Mm-hmm. So we ended up with two different groups of players. So I'm in one, Rachel's the other. I am in serviceable plots, which I don't want to try to explain that name. It was like a bad inside joke pun that then just kind of stuck. So that's what my group's called. <laughs> and Rachel's in Rumble Squad. Rumble Squad. Yeah, that's the thing. Your podcast appears to be a hodgepodge of no less than 82 different campaigns. There's serviceable plots. There's Rumble Squad. There's the new gods of Ostia, am I pronouncing oh, that right? Oh, yeah, that was that was what the Tony Justice Crew, Orenthal, yeah. like you're all over the place. Oh, we yep. are. It's delicious. Well, I, there, I'm not. I'm not knocking it. No, there was a point we discussed. I'm like, we have a choice here. Either we focus hard and pick the thing we're gonna do, or we just do what we want and have fun with it and just see what sticks. Um, so we're seeing what sticks. Option B. <laughs> Option I B. love throwing <laughs> potatoes at the wall. <laughs> yes, potatoes. Well, it mm-hmm. should be that way. You should do something that you love. Wait, why? Hold on, why are you throwing potatoes at the wall? Because they're extra <laughs> sticky, and more things will stick than spaghetti. Oh, oh, I thought you, I thought you were saying to test cooking potatoes, like how you know you stick <laughs> pasta to the wall. <laughs> no, I was just thinking because they're extra sticky, so they're more likely to stick. Okay, that's fair. Sorry, I thought I was learning a new cooking tip. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but yes, but thank you, chaotic. We are doing what we love. It. It's supposed to be something we do for fun that we enjoy doing together. And that's what I keep reminding us when we start going like, oh, my gosh, we need to produce content. And I'm like, oh, no, never mind. We're just friends playing a game. (laughs) Yes. Now, you also have a Patreon, right? We do. So tell Mm -hmm. us more about that. What are some things they can find on there? That's a Tony question. Tony. That is a me question. So uh, we started that about a month ago now, I think. 
we started doing uh, basically one of the biggest points of advice that I got was promise stuff that we actually like think we can do. So there's, <laughs> I know there's a bunch of well, because I've heard of people um, that like promise to do all sorts of content ahead of time and all this stuff, but mm. they're scrambling to get episodes out on time as it is. Yeah. So giving like, you know, previews is tough sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Um, but what we try to do is give like the DMs notes that I have for old episodes. As long as they're not like about to spoil something coming up, I've started to slowly post those out. I've done that for Orenthal. We've also got stuff like the calendar for the world that I made. Oh, cool. The, the new gods for the world that I uh, for the world of Ostia that I made. Um, we also then have the different tiers for, so for us, we have some where you can come talk to us one-on-one, we'd schedule time, uh, some stuff where we plan to do like a patrons, uh, one shot adventure. And then like our top tier is kind of, you know, being a producer where you can listen in while we're actually recording our episodes wow. and give feedback and advice and all that. On the, on the editing process and that sort of thing. Cause Right now, I'm the person who does that, and it's awesome. <laughs> I don't mind sharing it. <laughs> but it's fun. And also, it's weird to hear yourself back and when you recorded something some time ago and go, wow, that was months ago. What has happened? What am I talking about? What is going on here? <laughs> Why are there so many cats meowing? <laughs> Yeah, we appreciate anyone who supports us on Patreon. I know we're we're, li- we're still a small podcast, but we just want to be able to continue doing what we love. And we're thrilled that people actually listen to our podcast and enjoy it because it's something we enjoy doing. We're very simple people. How long have you oh, been yeah. playing RPGs? Uh, Bethany and I have been playing for, was it five going on six years now? Whenever Rachel first invited us to <laughs> yeah. play in a game. How long ago was that, Ra- Rachel? Five it's, years? It's all Rachel's fault. Yeah, yeah. Like Rachel- five or six years ago, I think. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're old. And I've been playing for oh, like just... 15 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Rachel's the one who recruited us and made I all did. of this happen. <laughs> Which she gets all the credit and all I the don't... blame. <laughs> Do you guys remember the first characters that I actually gave you though to like see if you were interested? They weren't even D and D. Star Wars. Yeah, one? they were the Star, Star Wars. Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, I still remember. That was so much fun. And I was like, there's this thing I do. It's kind of weird, but let me pitch it to you. Here's a character <laughs> sheet. You know, slides it across I, the table. I think at first you tried to explain it to us, and I'm like, I have literally no idea what you're talking about. Can you show me something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I pulled up Chris and I at the time were running. We were playing in a Star Wars campaign, so he was gone for a weekend or something. And we had, you know, we were hanging out, so I just grabbed our character sheets and was like, here, here are some character sheets. Let me explain how it kind of works. Except this is Star Wars, and <laughs> and I would like to play D anD D. But it's basically yeah, so- the same thing. <laughs> and you did not scare us off after that one session. Yeah, well, that was. I didn't know what I was doing. No, at all. But that was still a lot of fun. <laughs> now, Rachel, you had told me that you actually work with children when it comes to D anD do. Tell us more about that. It's a challenge. It's, uh, I would say it's like 25% telling to sit down and be quiet and stop interrupting me. 25% (laughs) telling them to get the dice out of their mouth. And then 50% playing. Especially the D4. Yeah. Fun fact. D4s are the tastiest dice. (laughs) According to children aged 9 to 13. You should add that to a snap cap. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
my work is we do after school programming and summer programming for kids and uh, they come in they get homework help and then we play games and we try to promote uh, cooperative board games and storytelling and creative games that work on soft skills like uh, problem solving and you know communication empathy so D and D type games and um, this year I have four players possibly a fifth starting soon and uh, we are running Tomb of Annihilation because that's what they wanted. <laughs> um, we'll see how it goes. Every week we discuss how Tomb of Blank is always going to be negative. They will never be Tomb of Cotton Candy. <laughs> tomb of Unicorns and Rainbows. They yeah. poo-pooed my idea for Tomb of Funnel Cake. You know, it just is... I like that one. I would I like have been in. Idea, I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If you're going tomb, you're going goth. That's how it is. Yep, yep. Well, the best part is I, I, I presented them all to them with their ideas. And their original one, because I forgot Tomb of Annihilation off the list. I was just going off memory of what I had. Their first choice was Curse of Strahd. Oh. And I was like, okay. And then I kind of was really thinking about like, mm, Curse of Strahd is a little bit dark. Um, I don't want to give them nightmares. And I was like, guys, I can't find my Curse of Strahd book, so I can't run it. But here's this alternative. And they were like, okay, that sounds fun. I'm like, <laughs> so Rachel, I think my favorite stories from you working with the kids is how the kids don't have this filter that a lot of us do where we're trying to like figure out what's the best option when we're playing a game. They're like, forget best option. What's the first thing that popped into my head? I want to do that. Yeah, there's no filter. There's no filter. Uh I don't know how much you guys know about Tomb of Annihilation, but I mean, we're in the first pages still. I saw it with Acquisitions Incorporated. Oh, okay. That's the one where everyone's a squirrel, right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> they might as well be with my group um but like the very first npc you meet you know she's the one that basically is giving you the quest she's wearing a silver mask with she has like a hood over her head and then blankets covering the rest of her body so you can't even tell if it's man woman human elf dwarf whatever mm-hmm. and of course we're they're asking questions about the death curse blah blah and then the one kid looks at me like wide-eyed looks at me and just gets really quiet. Can you take off your mask? <laughs> I'm like, are you actually asking her to take off her mask? And he just nods seriously. Okay. <laughs> Who in this group is going to be looking at her as she removes her mask? And it doesn't give a description of what she looks like. It just says she's being affected. And so one of the kids is like, uh-uh, I'm turning around. I'm not looking. Like, that seems rude. And, like, I don't want to be grossed out. <laughs> So I described that basically she pulls it off and her face is essentially like a lich. So it's like just crumbling, zombie-fied looking, like pieces are missing and flaking off and she just doesn't look good. And then I had them roll constitution checks to see if they would be frightened. <laughs> and one of them failed and he was like, or yeah, constitution checks, um, which should have been wisdom, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't going to point it out. Yeah, it was one of those like after the fact. They have no clue. I could have told them to do a dex check and they would do it. Wait a minute. Constitution. Yeah. (laughs) So the one kid was like petrified in place for like a minute. I'm like, you can't talk for one minute because you are too scared. And he was like, she does sound pretty terrifying. The other kid that asked her to remove the mask just gets this nice charming smile. He's like, you look beautiful, miss. And I'm like trying not to crack up. I'm like, "That's really." do you actually say that to her? He's like, 
yeah i'm like always the charmer ishmael thank you thank you because <laughs> he's always doing stuff like that and then his character melted like the guy in raiders of the lost ark yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah he chose the wrong grail <laughs> so i want to talk about rules in which you discuss basically for five to six hours at the at a time uh, <laughs> the, the various niche rules of D&D. Um, in one of your episodes titled Multiclassing, uh, uh -oh. one of you actually had the stones to admit that you don't like dice. <gasps> oh, that was Rob. And we're like, oh, that was Rob. Rob. Yeah, so yeah. Rob actually has a new podcast called uh, The Mer Nerds Commute. It's great. You should listen to it. He does little uh, like snack size episodes while he's driving to work. Uh, but yeah, he admitted he doesn't like dice. And Rachel, I think, I don't know. You didn't call him a name, Rachel. You had great restraint. I, yeah, I think I behave myself. But I might have lowered the volume, but on the recording, there's just such a... <gasps> <laughs> Almost... <gasps> <laughs> and then we're like everyone has different perspectives there's no wrong answers but you're wrong you're wrong Rob. Like, <laughs> i think i think all of us were a little shocked by that <laughs> and also rob. you know you don't want to go up against a guy who can't see his own reflection in the mirror you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously no, rob seems like a nice guy i mean every interaction i've had with him, he's been perfectly pleasant but it threw everything into doubt i mean i'm gonna trust that he's still a nice guy just horribly misguided but <laughs> he's, he's a great guy <laughs> it just was really funny because um I don't know. I'm not like the most crazy dice person because I only have like 12 sets, but <laughs> yeah. I know very restrained, but overall, I mean, well, that's your, your 12 technically. Then there's my 12. So okay, I don't cut your dice. Those are your own. Personal <laughs> dice. I'm going to them. edit in the sound of dozens of children booing you. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> shame. I feel, I feel no shame, but that's okay. <laughs> I think I have five in front of but me. Yeah. But yeah, we do, we do like dice. We do like dice. Yes. Rolling dice, blaming dice, etc. Now, I want our audience to understand how great this podcast is, okay? Oh. All right. In April, um, you guys talked about what happens when one of your PCs dies. And uh, oh. can you describe for me, uh, in a way similar to what you did on the show, how do you force feed someone a healing potion? <laughs> oh boy. But I was like, what? what, what when you're bringing this up, I'm like, what are you going to ask? We've had so it's like, many. Wait, where's this one yeah. going? <laughs> I think Rachel has been the one running characters who've had to administer said potions the most often. Yeah, the most often. Uh, I tend to actually be the healer or the person healing carrying the healing potions uh how i imagine it goes down is i pull out the <laughs> vial or small bottle or container or whatever this particular potion is held in and then i walk up and i basically uncork it and tip it upside down and stuff it in their mouth and like hold their <laughs> nose like a dog <laughs> Yes. So they have to. Like, they like have to gulp it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you like massage their throat to oh. make it go down? <laughs> no, there's no time for massaging. It's just hopefully it's not sharp. Hopefully it's not a D four. <laughs> yeah, I think there's also some slapping involved sometimes too. It's a gentle slapping, usually a with some lay on hands. Yeah. 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 Why Healing slaps. won't you, you wake up? <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. It's very dramatic. I remove the gauntlet first. Okay. <laughs> As you should. You are nothing if not kind. <laughs> <laughs> I try. <laughs> now, you guys have an episode dedicated entirely to leveling. Uh, and oh. this is something that I happen to obsess over a lot. How to level people up. Um, are you guys like computers where as you're playing, uh, you're like tallying up all the XP points for every single action that happens? Like you open a door, you get plus 20. Or is it just at the end, 
boom congratulations you leveled up come back a little more powerful next week i think i wanted to be the person who was like the computer and then i was like no i'm a lazy dm i'm like an overachiever in a lot of things but the dm i'm like we're just going with milestone leveling when they achieve something hopefully a story point if not that other story they decided on because who knows what the story's going to be something significant and it's been an appropriate number of sessions they level or in my current game i'm like we're near the end you guys just level we're great everyone's happy we're all good <laughs> be level 15 be happy. level 15 now yep. so uh, i would not advise that i would say that is just what has happened over my the three-year campaign i've been running which is not on the podcast that's just a, our private game which sure. will soon wrap up I yep hope. I made promises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know for like when I run with the kids, I I'm somewhere between the computer and the <laughs> the just giving people levels because um, the kids really like having the experience and writing it down. It's very satisfying for them. So at the end of sessions, I'll have like if they get through X, Y and Z, they get this many points. So it's kind of like in between. It's more just sure. made up points saying, hey, you guys get 100 you know, experience points each, and they're like, yes! Well, you're describing milestones. It is, but yeah. they don't know that. They don't understand the milestones. <laughs> they don't understand how that... Con- I tried explaining it to them, and I got glazed over looks and maybe some drooling. <laughs> and this is, this is why we need charter school. <laughs> <laughs> oh. no, this, is, this, is why we, this is why we play D&D, so kids can learn math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If we'd played D&D earlier, maybe we'd be better at mental math. I tried. I've tried that, but we still struggle. This is why Roll20 is great. No, I definitely do the milestone system. Uh, I do kind of have an I Like, I, I give myself a general idea of, like, how much XP in a particular session would give someone. But it's it's very vague and just sometimes based off, of like, well, I know they're definitely going to fight something this session. How much XP about is that? Um but beyond that, it's it's mostly milestone leveling. It's just like, okay, after you get to this story point, this is when you guys will level. And then, Tony, when we don't fight that thing because we smooth talk our way through it instead, then what happens? I still give you the experience points because you still dealt with the thing. I know. You're a very kind and gracious DM. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know D&D used to be just like you only get experience points for combat, but now it's not built that way. Um, there's not a lot of help in like how you get XP through non-combat means, so milestone leveling makes the most sense for me. Yeah. Sure. And then dealing with like an encounter of some sort, just kind of, you know, I have like the XP as a general idea, and whether you fight and kill the thing, or talk your way out of combat, or sneak around the thing, okay, you dealt with the thing. You have the <laughs> quote-unquote XP of the session. <laughs> I go in knowing exactly how much XP per room because they will ask. (laughs) Because they are are kids. They will literally ask. We just left this room. How much experience did we get for it? I will tell you at the end of the session your total XP. Man, they're they're so mercenary. I love it. They're like, they're brute. Professor, what am I getting out of this? Yeah. What are we talking about in terms of reward? Yeah. Yeah. We defeated two traps and overcame three goblins. How much experience is that? You will get the experience at the end of the session. Chill. Sounds like an IQ test. <laughs> yeah. But, You're preparing them. But Rachel, but Rachel, they want to know now. They do. Oh, and they do that. I believe it. That would be a really good accounting lesson. You could hand them a flow chart of goblin equals 63 points and you know, <laughs> opening a chest is 28 points and then they've got to keep track. Figure out your own XP. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we should teach algebra like that, oh my right? Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> They're slamming their finger into the page. You gypped me 10. <laughs> that would be amazing. I can't get them to check a calendar. Oh. So... I don't know that that would go over too well. Millennials, am I right, people? <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, I'm older. That makes oh. it funny. <laughs> I say, I'm older. Sorry. We are technically millennials, but I don't think we have the proper hallmarks for millennials, at least. Not all the exciting ones that are fun to make fun of. We just yeah. have cats. <laughs> so tell us where we can find you guys. So you can find the D&D Raw podcast pretty much all of the, the major podcatchers and then a whole bunch of minor ones. Or you can go to our website, uh, dndraw.com, or we're on Twitter at Rules as Written. Yay. That sums yeah. it up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. There's more. We're kind of, we have private Twitter handles. I feel like I neglect mine because I'm running the podcast. And then I'm like, oh, right. I should tweet as Bethany sometimes. <laughs> Bethany's be going myself. to tweet about cats. <laughs> Bethany tweets about cats. The podcast tweets about other cats. Oh, okay, that's true. I do tweet about cats. I did tweet about cats just today on the podcast Twitter. <laughs> I just want to thank all the cats for their good behavior. Uh, I know I am amazed. there's it's a lot of distractions on this show, and it's very easy for a cat to become engrossed in what's happening on the screen. So uh, thank you. <laughs> I also would like to apologize to Yusuf and Abaz, the Turkish robots. Um, sadly, uh, the bank says that I can't open a bank account to help your father, the prince, launder money. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, you'll have to move on to other people. But also, it's it's not us. It's you. Basically. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we are breaking up. <laughs> and as far as your About Us page is concerned, uh, I noticed that five of you are clearly standing in front of the exact same poster, but that the other four appear to be just random <laughs> photographs of total strangers from the internet. <laughs> no, they're real people. We actually know them, I swear. If you okay, need part. to inflate your numbers, that's all right. It makes you look better. We all do it a little bit. I mean, not us, but others. I'm sure others yeah. do it. It's actually only three of us, and we do a whole bunch of voices really well. I wish. <laughs> I wish. Oh, my goodness. But that's also because some of us, you know, all live in the same town and actually game together face-to-face, -face, and now Tony and I moved, so we play online. So we have expanded. Yeah. We have abandoned us. <laughs> No, Aww. we uh, moved to a cheaper area. <laughs> it was not personal. It was personal. This is a perfect segue. Now we're going to go and do voice wars. <laughs> I will uh -oh. choose a voice to do, and then you have to do it. Esti Scafaver, go. Wait, no, what? You can't do that Wait, one who? again. You already did that one. Yeah, I'm like, I oh, don't even know true. who that is. So, Miss Piggy, go. <laughs> Kermie. <laughs> Kermie, there's someone in my dressing room. <laughs> How could you do this to me? Oh, that was really good. That was really good. That was. Thank you. Wow, Tony, you have hidden skills I didn't know about after all these years of marriage. <laughs> I just don't do some voice or try to because one, I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Imagine coming up to an NPC like, how could you come to me right now? I'm so distraught. <laughs> Why has that not happened? Tony? I know exactly. <laughs> I need to meet somebody with that voice now, Tony. Orenthal in space. <laughs> we bring out the best in people here in the podcast. Yeah, you guys okay. are awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having us. We've already yeah. learned new things yeah. about ourselves. <laughs> so it's promo time. Good afternoon, listeners. Fenwald Griswick coming to you live from the battlefield. And by battlefield, I mean my apartment 
And by live, I mean recorded. Our presenting sponsor this week, Tabletop Loot, has just released a brand new charitable offering on their website called The Gift of Knowledge. Now, I'm so excited about this that I couldn't wait for my co-host to get back from their LARP. The Gift of Knowledge is not like other things you can buy on their website, like dice, dice towers, dice cups, and dice shirts. It does not provide you with a physical set of dice. Instead, it sends a donation of dice to an after-school RPG club in a school somewhere around the nation. This is an outreach that could potentially help kids stay off the streets while encouraging them to embrace their creativity in a way that only tabletop gaming can do. If you'd like to help out, there's two ways to participate. First, you can help by going to www.tabletoploot.com right now and purchasing a gift of knowledge. Second, you can help by going onto social media and helping to recruit people to our cause. And finally, you can help by contacting the Tabletop Loot email address posted in the Gift of Knowledge section of their website and letting them know about a potential school-slash-tabletop club in your area that may need support. And for those of you who are saying, A, this ad isn't funny, and B, you said two ways to help and there's three ways to help, boom, that was the joke. Ha! You burnt! Go to TabletopLoot.com today to help us make better teenagers. Tabletop loot, loot for every table. And now, back to our show. Yay! We're back! (laughs) And now, it's tea time! Tea time! The segment where we taste the bitter truth as written on the underside of a popular peach and or lemon flavored tea brand who shall remain nameless. Not a sponsor. (laughs) Not a sponsor. (laughs) Minus three points to anybody who accidentally says the name. Your choices will be uh, true, false, or huh. (laughs) I will read each question and then wait for your response. What does huh indicate? Is it confusion or or just... When you listen to the fact, if you think that it is something that is maybe an opinion, not a fact, Mm. or is unprovable, or is worded in such a way that it's uh, fuzzy... Then you can use huh. It's the third L.A. Noir option. Correct. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're all murderers. Got it. <laughs> Snapcap fact number 125. Let's go. Pigeons have been trained by the Coast Guard to spot people lost at sea. True. 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 I'm a little concerned about telling Bethany apart from Rachel, but uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> no, work that out as we go. On. Luckily, okay. if uh, you both can vote together, that would be amazeballs. <laughs> yeah, okay, Rachel, we'll just watch the separate. screen. They blink on and off while they're talking. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Rachel and I get mixed up sometimes because we're from the same place and we talk very similarly. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is true. Yay! Woo! We're off to a good start. So how many points is that? One. Oh, no, no, Each of you has gotten one point. It's 50 points. You can have 50 points. Yes! 50 points. Yes! But we're all tied for 50 points. I'm okay with that. (laughs) It's like experience. I I wanted it to be true. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? That's where it throws me off. You're like, this fact would be great if it was true, (laughs) and it's not. And you're like, oh, dreams are damaged. So, in the 1970s and early 1980s, the Coast Guard had a project called Project Sea Hunt. And basically what they did was uh, they uh, created special helicopters that were outfitted with chambers underneath that were entirely made out of glass into which they would place specially trained pigeons whose job would be to look at the ocean 
underneath, and if they saw anything that wasn't water, they would peck a certain button called a peck key, and that would alert the pilots that there was something in the area, and they would go down and take a look. Uh, the pigeons were actually quite incredible at getting the job done. Um, in training sessions, they were correct 90% of the time. Whoa. Yes, Jeez. at finding things in the ocean. Um, sadly, however, like all hard workers, uh, they were replaced by technology. Uh, infrared and heat sensing cameras were all the rage at the uh, turn of the 80s and eventually became uh, inexpensive enough that the Coast Guard um, adopted them en masse. Ah, hmm. poor pigeons. Yes. Interesting. Now, yeah, what happened to the out-of-work pigeons is the next question. <gasps> now they work in the Department of the Interior. Uh, <laughs> their job is to keep an eye on the trees. <laughs> 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 Snapcat fact number 384. Each year, the average person walks the distance from New York to Miami. Mm. True? Rachel? True? False. Yeah, Bethany, we'll say false. All right. Sorry, false. we're voting separately. Yeah. I mean... I also, I also want to... It's the average American, because that would be totally different than the average person. Right. Uh, false. And the answer is false. Dang it. Yay! Woo! So, um, one note. Uh, on the snap cap itself, it says NY for New York, um, as opposed to NYC, which would be the mm -hmm. city. So theoretically, uh, you could argue that uh, we're talking about anywhere in New York, um, but it is false regardless. And here's why. <laughs> so a study published in 2010 of over 1,000 Americans found that the average uh, person in America steps 5,117 times per year. Uh, that's a little bit more for men, 5,340, and a little bit less for women, 4,912. Um, however... If you actually multiply that out, 5,117, which equals 2.5 miles times 365.25 days in a year, uh, will give you 913 miles. That is the exact distance from New York City to the border of Florida and Georgia, mm. not to Miami. In order yeah. to get to Miami, you would have to walk an additional 400 miles for a total of 1,305, and that would require 7,313 steps per day. Uh, an increase of 43%. Which begs the question, do you want to go to Miami? <laughs> Sorry, Jody. Hey. <laughs> hey. 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 I'm from but Miami. The point, <laughs> yeah, the point was also said the average person, not the average American. Rachel. I was going with the average person. Per uh -huh. Because I was taking into account, like, people in other countries walk a lot more than us fatties in America. I am so Whoa. glad you brought that up. So... <laughs> this does not take into account the fact that there is a glaring difference between industrialized countries where people are shockingly sedentary and uh, places that are non-industrialized where people have to walk for food and water and mm -hmm. all kinds of things. Never mind the fact that they don't have the distractions of the internet or phones or televisions. So if there were studies from those countries, it is distinctly possible that that number would be crushed outright. But there are no studies from those countries because they don't have the internet or phones or televisions or anything that can help to gather that information. Or perhaps the willpower. Maybe there just is no interest they're in what's going on. They're too busy getting food. Yeah, they're they're walking to get their food. <laughs> <laughs> or their Fitbit for tracking their steps. Yeah. <laughs> I have a Fitbit. Hey. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I track my steps because it gives me a discount on my insurance because I'm a boring old person. I track them because I like when it vibrates and goes, you did it, when I made my step counts. 
which is like oh. 7,000 a day. Mine's really judgy. I think maybe I set my goals too high. So it's like, hey, time to get up and take some steps. I'm like, I've been working at my desk all day. You can't judge me. And then I ignore <laughs> it for a while. I'm waiting for the Fitbit 6 to come out because that has the defibrillator built right into the wrist pad <laughs> and then brings you back if you go to one too many steps. You're one yeah, too many yeah, steps. That's, that's always, it's always a danger. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. In Florida, it actually is because it's so stinking hot. Yeah, you might get heat stroke. <laughs> So that's a fair thing. Especially if you're walking to Miami. Yeah, from New York. Oh, yeah. Snapcap fact number 953. The longest attack of hiccups ever lasted 68 years. True. That's rough. Rachel votes true. Oh, gosh. True. All right. True. I hope it's false. I'm going to say false. I hope it's false, but I think it's true. Otherwise, I'm going to cringe really hard. <laughs> I had hiccups for like 10 minutes this morning. I was upset. And the answer is true. Yes. I feel so bad for that. (laughs) Charles Osborne, born in 1894, died in 1991 uh, in Anthon, Iowa, uh, was picking up a hog one day when uh, he did something to himself and began hiccuping. Uh, That was in 1922, and he hiccuped continuously until 1990, one year before his death. At least he got one year of peace. <laughs> oh. That's a shame. He is officially entered into the Guinness Book of World Records as the man with the longest attack of hiccups, mm-hmm. estimated at 433 million. Oh, that's oh. so many hiccups. That's got to be bad for your heart. Mm. Yeah, It's not a record yeah. you want. And your love life. And how do you oh. talk? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Hopefully they weren't like the really <laughs> annoying like ones. Have you heard the people oh. that squeak when they hiccup? Are you talking about my hiccups, Rachel? It sounds like I don't think I've ever heard your hiccups. <laughs> but I wasn't specifically referring to your hiccups. <laughs> Snapcap fact number 305. The fourth Earl of Sandwich invented the sandwich so he could eat and gamble at the same time. True. That's bad. I want this to be true. So. I feel like he did create the sandwich, but I don't know if it was for gambling. I feel like it might also be for like riding on horseback. <laughs> <laughs> but gambling sounds good too. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna. Ooh. You know, what? I'm gonna go false. Uh, Rachel, false. Uh, see now. Oh. Mm. Yeah. I think Bethany and Tony have an advantage because they're like history nerds. How would that? Oh, I have no idea back? in the slightest with the and sandwich. I don't know. I feel like that's something you <laughs> guys would know. But also, thank you, Rachel, for acknowledging that we're history nerds. I appreciate that. You it have more books on Elizabeth stuff and like the tutors than like a library. <laughs> Elizabeth stuff. The, the Elizabeth, it's Elizabeth lady. The first, not Elizabeth yes. the second. Just to clarify, See? and it's only like two bookshelves. <laughs> two bookshelves, people. Shelves, not just two. Sorry, books. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Clarification: bookcase. Straight <laughs> up, throwing shade at Lizzie the second. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> She's still alive. I don't have to read about her that much yet. <laughs> I've chosen true. And the answer is, huh? Oh. Dang. And I apologize. I want you to know that of all the questions this week, this is the one that I worked on the longest. It was several hours. <laughs> it was incredibly difficult. How many sandwiches? I'm just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's begin with the obvious. Sandwich is a town in Kent, England, just southwest of London. Uh, John Montague was the fourth Earl of Sandwich, having replaced his father. He was an uncontrollable gambler and rake. 
We know for a fact that people put things on bread prior to this man. Okay, they are recorded in history. They were, however, <laughs> referred to as bread and cheese or bread and meat or bread and whatever. The sandwich is salted beef between two slices of toasted bread. So there is officially a sandwich, for those of you who are wondering. But hmm. here's where it gets complicated. John Montague, being the fourth Earl of Sandwich in the 1700s, did not keep a personal diary. Uh, and his friends weren't exactly thrilled with the man. Again, him being the kind of person who would sleep with your wife. He had oh, many geez. political enemies and uh, uh, people who wanted to duel him, so on and so forth. Where this story is supposedly from, everyone who I have consulted has said that it came from the same location, uh, is from a book by Pierre-Jean Grosley, uh, who was a Frenchman who went to England and wrote a book called A Tour to London or New Observations on England and Its Inhabitants. And in the book, Grosley supposedly said something to the effect of um, uh, the Earl of Sandwich created the sandwich and it was done while he was gambling in a 24-hour gambling binge, so on and so forth. However, that book is available online and I have read about the first 87 pages of it <laughs> and nowhere in here has he said anything about the sandwich, the Earl, or anything like that. But the problem is, is that the book is significantly longer and you can't, it's not indexed, so you can't search through it with a keyword search. You have to read it and I'm not done. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. So, it so I have be. to read it as, huh, because it could be in there, but it definitely is not in the beginning. <laughs> John Montague, the fourth Earl of Sandwich, died, by the way, in 1792 while choking on a BLT. <laughs> oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the scores remain the same. Moving no, on. I gave us all 50 points. Did you? Oh, Yay! we all did better. Yay! I like she's just like, no, I gave us all 50 points. <laughs> Because the points don't matter. <laughs> That's right, yes. Snapcap fact number 353. The weight of the moon is 81 billion tons. Like false. While it's in space? I'm going to say false. I'm going to... I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many more questions. Un- <laughs> you could be, huh? Yeah, that could be you. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with false. Eighty-one million tons. Billion tons. Eighty-one billion, billion tons. Eighty-one oh. million billion trillion. I believe Rachel is what he said. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, false. I'm going false. And the answer is false. Yay! Because yeah. it doesn't weigh anything. <laughs> is that everyone? Did, did everyone guess yeah. false? Yeah. 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 This is demonstrably Sweet. and laughably false. Uh, reason number one. The word weight, mm-hmm. weight in the traditional sense is the amount of gravity, uh, uh, the amount of force caused by gravity on your body when you were standing on the face of the planet. So the mass of the moon is something that we have measured. It's 7.35 times 10 to the 22 kilograms. And the gravi- gravitational force between two objects is actually based around a very specific formula, which you can calculate on your own. Uh, gravitational force in newtons is equal to the gravitational constant, which is 6.67 times 10 uh, to the negative 11th newtons uh, meters squared divided by kilograms squared times the mass of the Earth times the mass of the moon divided by the distance between the two centers of the objects in meters squared. 
And that's important Jeez. because the further this away you get, <laughs> the lower the gravitational force will be. And thus, because the moon is so far away, uh, that actually factors in. So the answer, if you actually calculate that out, and I won't bore you with the math, 1.99 times 10 to the 20th newtons. And if you convert that into tons, which I'm assuming they're referring to English tons and not metric tons based on the spelling, you get 22.4 quintillion tons would be the weight of the moon if you were able to put it on a scale, um, even though that is farcical. This is how I picture Stephen Hawking's mind to be at all times <laughs> that Griswick yeah, has just spewed out to us. I think I glazed over. The radius matters greatly, and the orbital radius of the moon changes because it's an ellipse. So actually, the weight, quote-unquote, of the moon would change radically depending upon what time of the day it was. So there you go. Wow. We were all right. Yay! That's correct. Thank goodness, because that would been a really bad one to get wrong. We would have seemed so foolish. <laughs> yes, because we'd, we'd have we to cut it and it try again. Yeah. It's, it's just because of the word wait. I'm like, that can't be right. If this is right, I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> Snapcap fact number 331. The area code in Cape Canaveral is 321. True. True. Well, these are some uh, pretty confident truths. so true? Yeah. We live in Florida. Somebody from there? Uh, oh, <laughs> um. true. <laughs> and the answer is true. <gasps> it's almost like we live on Who the space coast. <laughs> <laughs> I just like your wow. They're really confident in their answers. <laughs> I know. They took like, okay. it as a softball one because it, this is literally. It might. Yeah, it, Tony and I live like an hour south of the Cape. <laughs> we do, <laughs> so we know. <laughs> but it actually used to be four oh seven. That's yes. correct. But then li- oh, sorry. I won't go ahead. Give your fact. Thank you. He doesn't even get points. He only has facts. <laughs> First of all, I want to take a shot at the unnamed tea brand company. This cap is number three three one and not cap three two one, three, which two, is one. a total yeah. missed opportunity. So mm-hmm. what the hell? Unnamed tea brand. Yeah. <laughs> And now it's almost like you'll stop buying their products because of this missed opportunity, but (laughs) not hardly. That stuff's like crack. (laughs) But we do not endorse them. The area code in Cape Canaveral was, in fact, originally 407, which is the extremely popular area code of Orlando. Um, In 1999, November specifically. Uh, an idea came to a gentleman named Robert Osmond, who is a, a resident of Brevard County uh, and a space it's, it's, enthusiast. It's Brevard. It's Brevard. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. 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 <laughs> As a person from Miami-Dade County at one point in my life, uh, I don't care. <laughs> Proud Brevard resident. <laughs> sorry. You may continue. Brevard. Yes. <laughs> Bravo for Brevard. originally the area code 321 was going to be sent to the chicago suburbs however when robert osmond presented it to the uh, county commissioners of brevard county they got very excited about it and they (laughs) provision all right let me start that again and when robert osmond said it to the brevard uh, county commissioners uh they got on the ball and called the united states government and asked for the change 321 is also the area code for SATCOM satellite phones, um, for reasons you could probably guess, uh, which can be anywhere on the Earth. 
so you know there's that Thank you. That was a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I did not mean to spoil it. The pronunciation the I like how you just like I crushed. Just <laughs> I'm it used to be 407. Oh. He's like, thanks. Oh. Well, it also, they're running out of 407 for, for you know, the Orlando area because there's so many stinking people there. So soon it won't be any more 407 numbers or new ones. 407 is incredibly desirable, in, in particular among cell phone people. Um, in, a, mm-hmm. in the dating scene, 407 is seen as upscale. And so uh, a lot of people really ask or, you know, like they're willing to pay for 407 uh, area codes um, in order to look, I guess, wealthy or whatever. Well, it's not just that. I will say uh, when we got married, I did encourage Tony to change his cell phone number because I said, you have a 305 number. And I don't know how to tell you this, but um, I won't answer your calls if I don't know it's you because... Because it comes up as Miami. (laughs) (laughs) That's numerous, and we don't uh, we don't allow that here. (laughs) And yet he stayed with me anyways. (laughs) And I kept that three hundred five number for years. Yeah. So sorry, we care apparently too much about phone numbers. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, oh wait, uh, everyone is doing quite well. Score update. You gotta make it more exciting than that. (laughs) Everyone's doing fabulous. Yay! Yay! (laughs) And finally, Snapcat fact number 1124. Mount Rushmore cost less than $1 million to complete. Did you say dollars dollars twice on purpose? I did. Oh, say it again. Mount Rushmore (laughs) cost less than $1 million to complete. Double dollars. Definitely false. What? Huh? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, does it, does it have the dollar sign and the word dollars? Yes, it does. <laughs> ah. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Ah. And then I actually said dollars, dollars. Like, so, so, I was huh? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was huh? reaction. That is grammatically incorrect, which should have okay, no yeah. bearing on, well, on the factuality of this particular fact. Okay. <laughs> I'm still going with false. I'll say true. That's about I'll say true. See, now I'm I'm tied with Tony. Mm-hmm. You so now this, I'm this really, ma- really concerned. This could make or break me. Because if you, if you agree with me, then no matter what, we are going to be tied. But if you disagree with me, one of us will be higher. Oh, well, I feel like it's an intense moment in my life. Be false. <laughs> <laughs> this could change everything. Can we get a drum roll, please? Oh. I'm going to go with false. Yes. Ooh. Ah. I'm making you still. <laughs> Everyone's like, the intense is real. And the answer is false. Yes! Oh! Ah! Yay. I'm so pumped. <laughs> I know I didn't win, but I'm still pumped. <laughs> Gutsum Borglum was a sculptor and the designer of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Uh, he had a falling out with the Ku Klux Klan, and so he decided he had to change uh, uh, clients and move across the country. However, he was also bestie friends with Teddy Roosevelt. And so he went to Teddy and said, hey, I think we should have this really great thing out in South Dakota. Teddy agreed. And so thus they went in on Mount Rushmore. However, the reason why it is false is because of the word complete. Mount Rushmore is not complete. Uh, There's a couple of reasons for this, uh, the most important of which is there is a massive pile of garbage at the foot of the mountain. Literally, as they were carving it, they did not bother to take away each of the rocks as they blew them up with dynamite or hack them off with sculpting tools. And so they just left a humongous 
450,000 ton pile of garbage at the bottom of the mountain. So certainly in that regard, it is not complete. But in addition, uh, Borglum's original design uh, called for not only the heads of the four presidents, but also their bodies. Um, Washington was supposed to be in full military regalia. And Thomas Jefferson was supposed to be holding what I can only assume is a Harry Potter wand. (laughs) (laughs) Borglum died in 1941, and the project was still being funded on his death. When Congress learned of his death, only then did they defund the project. And so thus, they were canceling the project, not completing the project. So for those three reasons, I mark this as false. Okay. Fun fact, in the original design, Jefferson was supposed to appear to the left of Washington, uh, but as they were sculpting him, they ran out of mountain, so they had to rework the design and put him on the other side. Bunch of pros. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you who are wondering about that $1 million number, um, it uh, was actually $989,992.32. In 1941 dollars, if you adjust that for inflation, uh, by today's standards, it would be $17.7 million. (laughs) So the scores are, uh, CA has won with (laughs) 352,187. Tony came in in second with 301,406. Rachel and Bethany tied with 250 each. We can still be friends, Rachel. That's a shame, because for the first time ever, I actually had a tiebreaker uh, that was related to Constitution Day, which today is. Uh, but sadly, uh, we won't have to use that. I mean, we could tie break a tiebreaker for last. <laughs> that would That's be cruel. True. I'm not that kind of person. It's a tough beat, but somebody's got to do it. And now it's time for What's in the Box? What's in the Box? The portion of our show where I ask our, uh, our co-hosts uh, to uh, listen to a story as I show off my grammatical skills and then tell me uh, what, how to conclude it. Keep in mind the school teacher is probably going to tell her class to listen to this podcast, so if we could keep it PG and up, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, mine's definitely um, PG. <laughs> Yours is adorable, Rachel. I, I can't wait. Here we go. Any pursuers from Pelscar have certainly given up the hunt. It's time to pack up camp and continue toward destiny. Prior to moving on, you make a quick check of your inventory. Armor, check. Sam shears, check. Forager's kit, check. Everlasting writing quill, check. Suntan lotion, check. Bottomless saddle of holding, check. Molly the yak, check. (laughs) Baby mimic, baby mimic. (laughs) You suddenly realize that you have neither seen nor heard from your baby mimic in quite some time. (gasps) Shut your face. (laughs) Where's my baby mimic? (laughs) Molly meanders behind you as you thoroughly search the field for any possible sign of your wayward, possibly sleeping, invisible, unresponsive baby mimic. I open Molly's mouth to look inside. Did you eat it? (laughs) (laughs) It isn't until almost 20 minutes into your search that you stumble upon something strange. At the far edge of the field from where you set up camp, you find a slime-covered, moss-infused, pulsating, placenta-esque, translucent pod of gray, viscous fluid. The outside is covered in what can only be described as a rapacious web of veins. 
gingerly leaning in to get a closer look, you can just barely make out some living creature moving very slowly about the inside of the pod. Suddenly, a hoofed foot burst through the wall of the pod, <laughs> sending a stream of stinky, sticky ooze flying across your face. Ew. It's a face hugger. You stumble backward, <laughs> reaching for your belt. You draw your samshire and pull yourself together, ready to go face to dripping face with any threat from which this newest hell has arrived. In between wipes of your brow, you keep your eyes locked on the creature as it struggles to free itself from the chamber of Ick. Finally, after a good five minutes of flailing about, the quadruped wobbles to its feet, legs shaking from the mixture of confusion, cold, and inconstancy. Its dark eyes peer up at you, searching for meaning in your gobsmacked facial expression. It's a baby yak. And it looks just like Molly. You turn and look at Molly, who chews her cud with abject apolitical interest in the existence of this new creature. I'm going to pick up the baby one to her face like, what did you do? (laughs) You turn to look at the baby yak, who mimics her larger cousin, false chewing a non-existent meal. I'm naming it Mo. Then the baby yak looks at you and issues its first ever greeting. <laughs> Molly responds. Moo. <laughs> Molly responds. Moo. <laughs> Molly, clearly satisfied by this turn of events, pulls a 180 and lumbers back towards camp. Your newest companion follows behind doing its best to work out the physics of hoofed feet. Baby Mimic, check. (laughs) 30 agonizing minutes later, you are indeed successful at getting your caravan back on the road, but you're pulling your hair out at how slowly the pace has become. The last half hour has seen you fall from intrepid adventurer to underpaid babysitter. Normally, when Minnie Mall goes hoof over horn, she gets right back on her feet. But when she trips over a rock in the ground, all hell breaks loose, and she moves up a storm. This will never do. At this pace, the lot of you will starve to death before you reach the next town. Quickly thinking, you resolve to tie Minimal to the side of the bottomless saddle like a satchel. But when you go over to pick her up off the ground, you find Minimal lying next to not a rock, but a hastily buried piece of metal. A quick excavation with your trusty spade reveals that, in fact, the piece of metal makes up the top right corner of a box. The box is the size of about 40 vinyl album covers stacked on top of one another. (laughs) The top of the box is decorated with a carved metalwork depicting a battle scene where a female warrior holds two large sticks The remaining sides are a less impressive mixture of undecorated iron and bronze. There are two hinges in the rear and two clasps at the front. Between the clasps is a small bronze nameplate into which is carved the following warning. Property of the Duchess of Kimshi. Do not open on pain of death. You open it. (laughs) (laughs) My question for you is this. What's in the box? Anthony, you're Rachel? going first? No, Rachel. Oh, you want me first. to go first. Okay. Okay. So yeah. 
as I reach my hand in and feel around, uh, it's obviously definitely interdimensional. And uh, I imagine like, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? I touch something really soft and really fuzzy and it makes a cute. I put my hand in the box. (laughs) You stuff your hands in the box. (laughs) Uh, So as you reach in and, and feel around, you feel like a nice long kind of neck. You get like a nice bit of spittle on your hand. And uh, as you pull it out, <laughs> it's a mini camel. <laughs> it's so cute. Is it a teacup camel? It's a teacup camel. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's wearing a tiny oh, sweater. <laughs> is it a green sweater with kale on it? It is a green sweater. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect fit to our menagerie. <laughs> I'm keeping it forever. I know. <laughs> I was like, I know what I'm putting I already have like a mimic rock and now I have a baby yak and a baby camel. This is fabulous. <laughs> this is the best. The, it is the best. <laughs> All right. So when you reached through the portal and touched the camel, how many fingers did you lose? None. Uh, it just kind of <laughs> slobbered on you because uh, it's actually, it's, it's, it's tiny. So it knows it's mama. Yeah. And it knows. Yeah. But even micro teeth can do some damage. That's all right. We'll, we'll let but that one slide. it's a camel. Is it a dromedary or is it a, a, a the other one? I don't remember the difference. <laughs> the other we decided one. it was a camel. We had a discussion. Yes, we didn't have a discussion. <laughs> the dromedary has one hump and the, the Bactrian has two humps. Oh, it definitely has two. Two humps. Definitely. All right, one Bactrian yeah. camel, mm-hmm. mini camel. <laughs> one mini teacup. <laughs> now, is there any part of the camel that is like normal size or no. is it total, in totality shrunk? It also has a small sweater that is properly sized for it. How much water can your camel hold? Um, a gallon. All right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's a good answer. You sounded very positive. I'm buying it. <laughs> yep. So that's one tenth of a Walmart fish tank. <laughs> it's a big fish tank you're buying. <laughs> that is. And a small camel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very small camel. Very good. I accept your answer. <laughs> oh no! There's a chance we get rejected. Oh no! <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So much pressure. <laughs> There's a chance that little ones might be listening to this podcast, and I got to keep it clean. So, <laughs> you have kept our PG rating. Congratulations! <laughs> yes, Victor nailed it. <laughs> CA, how about you? I'm playing with my camel. <laughs> Distracted, <laughs> it understood. Matter what I have anymore. <laughs> Tony, would you like to go next? Yes, Tony. What do you got? Um. Okay. So when you reach <laughs> into the box, you pull out a. Uh, Seemingly pretty plain, intricate wooden flute. Ooh. Wow. Grishtrum it. And. Your strum a flute? A flute? Oh, a flute. Oh, no. I was thinking. Not a lute. Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see your strum a flute. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) it's a flying lute, which we call a flute. (laughs) Um. As you initially play it, as soon as you hit a particular note, suddenly a small spout of flame shoots out. The other side. Whoa. The fire flute. Yep. All right. How many holes in your flute? There are, oh gosh, six holes. <laughs> All right. Now, does that include the big hole at the end? No. So. And the one you blow seven, into. Seven. <laughs> and the one you blow into. So eight. Okay. Now you've ruined my next question, so I'll move on. <laughs> oh. oh no, sorry. <laughs> Tony, if you could not lie to me, that would be amazing. We can we'll be moving along a lot faster. <laughs> what kind of wood is your flute made out of? 
uh, mahogany. Ooh, <laughs> fancy, Ooh. fancy. Ooh. It's, it's fancy. fancy one. I, I put it up on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything carved into the flute, like the name of the person who made it, or uh, like you know uh, any sort of like uh, uh, you know, magical incantation or anything like that? Um. Oh gosh. We looks up no. No. Let's go with no. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> looks at it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it wore off in time yep. past. <laughs> and I ask only because this came up in episode three, can you play it underwater? Yes. <laughs> nice. Wow. Guys play it underwater. <laughs> sure. All right. So I find there's right nearby, there's this old rainwater puddle and it just is full of pus and grime and all kinds of road wash off so I jam my head into it <laughs> and I play the flute <laughs> now what happens do I get steam out of that yeah you're gonna get some steam no, laughing at you <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of questions too from your traveling companions like why would you We're stick so your curious. head in there <laughs> they're used to stuff like that I'm sure it's perfectly oh, yeah. normal Ooh. in retrospect I realize I just could have put the mouth of the flute you into could've. the puddle but yes <laughs> I meant submerged in water but yeah that works that works <laughs> CA are you still stroking your prize oh my god when you say it like that <laughs> uh, yes okay uh, who am I missing between Bethany and Rachel? Bethany. Bethany. Okay. Rachel, Rachel went gotcha. first. I had Bethany. the camel. Yeah. I what do you got? We're practically the same person. Who am I so. missing between okay. Bethany and Rachel? <laughs> it's Bethany from Brevard. <laughs> Who hasn't spoken for a while? We'll <laughs> I was trying to be patient. Wait, Who's feeling friend. neglected? Oh. Nobody. That's my dog. The dog's so feeling never. neglected. That's the dog, <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, as you're opening the box, there is a strong odor, sort of a cabbagey smell that assaults you, and yet also is strangely comforting. And you reach your hand in, and you feel sort of like a, a gentle leaf that seems to <laughs> caress your hand. <laughs> I put my hand in the box. <laughs> put your hand in the box. Okay. <laughs> While holding the baby TK like teacup camel in my other hand. Right, right. That's why you have two <laughs> hands, right? One for the camel, one one for this for this friendly leaf. So as you pull it out, there is essentially a head of some sort of plant. Uh, if you're familiar with it. It does seem to be like kale, but it's unlike any kale you've ever seen before. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Amazing. Grizz has no idea. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Does Tony know? I've heard of cute kale. Um, normally yeah. in yoga sessions, but here on the podcast, it is welcome. Uh, you know. Grizzwick's pet the kale. <laughs> okay. You pet the kale. Pet the kale. And the kale pets you back. <laughs> All right, let's pump the brakes here a second. So, what kind of rash am I going to get if I touch the kale? No. no, 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 no. This is a friendly kale. Yes. I mean, unless you're, you know, not following its wishes. But if you are being gentle to the kale, the kale will be gentle back. <laughs> and if you have the spell, like, communicate with plants, you can use that and it will talk to you. Yes. And it will share its message of peace and love because <laughs> it is friendly, <laughs> hippie kale. They come in peace. Ironically, I think it's well established that I'm a druid on this show. So... <laughs> Yes, I uh, I asked the kale. I said, uh, you know, what's with the box? I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sleepy kale. Oh, yeah, I was thinking a kale nap. Yeah, yeah. I just, love kale naps. It was just, yeah, just a chill kale nap, as as you do. So I say, uh, oh, my bed, and I close the box. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, Kale now. Goes, Kale goes back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I take it back out. <laughs> oh, okay. And I put it on my shoulder because that's where it belongs. <laughs> of course. Uh, it sort of gently purrs at you. <laughs> so cute. All right. Does Tony know about the kale? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally about the kale. Good. <laughs> so, kale comes in two different varieties. There's the purple-stemmed kale and the green-stemmed kale. What kind of kale am I looking at? Oh, this is non-pretentious green-stemmed kale. Understood. You know, it's very chill sure. kale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, some kale has, uh, let's say, a slight resemblance to broccoli. And then there's some kale that is more along the lines of, like, a lettuce. Uh, scale, scale of 1 to 10, <laughs> 1 being lettuce and 10 being broccoli. How wrinkly am we talking about? Oh, definitely like a really curly leaf lettuce. Yeah, I was thinking like a, like a three. Butter, like a butter lettuce. So yeah, like, yeah, three. Okay, Maybe like a, all right. Two or three, yeah. Now, when I look at the leaves, uh, and there's veins on the leaves, number-wise, how many leafies, <laughs> say like 25 being average, is it an above average leafy kale or a below average leafy kale? You can tell Grizzix is, very... is like, what am I yeah. saying? <laughs> this is a very modest kale. <laughs> In 1989, I saw a piece of kale, and I am pulling out of my ass some of the some of the greatest information that I have ever pulled from the deepest parts of my memory. I'm I'm glad that we were totally prepared for this moment. (laughs) I'm so glad this came up. Yeah, but it's just simple, unassuming, friendly kale, and it really isn't going to give me a rash. That's what you're telling me. No. Nope. I mean, unless you insult it or something. Mm. I mean, it's on my shoulder. Oh, yeah. All right. So what kind of battle damage can this thing do? Oh, you're going to be mean to the no, kale? No, I'm saying he's kale in a box. lives matter. He's in a box that features a uh, female warrior who has won war. I'm expecting this kale to be able to hold its own. It's. Yeah. I think it's straight up psychic like a... Yeah, I agree. What's your yeah. thing you Do some playing? psychic damage. Yeah, yeah. Just does some mental damage if yeah. you are Mystic. unfriendly. It, yeah. It's mystic yeah, kale. He makes you well, think you're a tree well. and then you're paralyzed. <laughs> yeah. Just when you think it's just an innocent kale, it kills you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kale kills, apparently. You are an avocado. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Maybe, it maybe took a level or two in like cleric and uses like the daylight spell. <laughs> CA, put down that animal. reach into the box tell me what you find so you put your hands into the box and if you put both your hands together it feels like this white fluffy ball and it's kind of heavy is it cauliflower it's cauliflower isn't it i have a question not fluffy cauliflower (laughs) you can see into the box this show has completely gone off the rails (laughs) all right yeah pull out pull out your ball okay uh, and it, so and it's white and fluffy. Does it talk? It does not talk yet. Yet. Oh. You mean fluffy like a volleyball or fluffy like a balloon? Like uh, a big snowball. It's heavy like that too. I would like to touch it. Is it cold? <laughs> <laughs> when you touch it, it's warm. Mm. Does it talk now? Uh, n- how do you touch the ball? Yeah, what if you stroke it? I pet it and I say, hello, fluffy thing. <laughs> <laughs> So you see these two little black eyes open, and then these little two little antennas stick out. <gasps> okay, I'm gonna take this one. You can have the donkey, and I mean the camel. And <laughs> the donkey. That's like where the donkey come from. <laughs> it's like a goddamn eternity ward up in this whip. You can have the camel and the camel. <laughs> is, is it is it like a tribble? <laughs> it looks a lot like that. Yeah. Uh, oh. Man, this is a great box. <laughs> yeah. What else is in the box? <laughs> Do we get to reach in again? <laughs> 
<laughs> Calm down. We can't move. <laughs> Next week's episode is going to begin. You, Molly, and five eighths of a nursery go wandering down the road. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I always get yelled at for not asking this question. What does the ball do? <laughs> <laughs> So as she's stroking the little fluffy thing, it looks super cute and it's cuddling up to her. And then all of a sudden it poops. <laughs> I hand it to Bethany <laughs> immediately. Hey! That sounds fair. That sounds accurate. <laughs> and then you realize it's a coin. It pooped a coin? <gasps> it pooped a coin. Oh. Ha- enjoy your poop coin. A sentient change purse. I love it. <laughs> What what we kind of coin though? Dogs. Is it copper, silver, or gold? Gold. Ooh. Ooh. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So this is the poof that lays the golden coins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So what do I have to do to get this thing to make me rich? I, am I just shaking it all day long, or don't shake I don't it. think she's gonna give it up. <laughs> it's pretty it res- cute. It responded to being petted, right? That was the. It did. Yeah. Yeah. It's very fond of you. Oh, you just have to care for it. But if I if I give him a noogie, will I get like a twenty piece? <laughs> Forceful cutting, cuddling, and petting. Do you remember in the nineteen fifties they had those those special machines where you would put the strap around your butt and it would like rock you back and forth real quick yes. like that? Yes, <laughs> I need one of those and this fuzzy little bastard, and we retire. That's it. End of podcast. I love it. So I got to tell you, uh, the winner this week, Fire Flute. Yay! Very cool. Good, Tony. And I'm not just saying that because I was embarrassed by dunking my own head in a, in a, <laughs> a faux swirly fashion. Good job, Thank Tony. You. Thank you for building Which, something sensible because Rachel and I both decided to go the inside joke route, which I'm now realizing might have been flawed. What was it? It was... Um... I thought it was perfect. <laughs> Thanks. Like any juried expedition, uh, the three people who had very similar pieces of art uh, pulled away from each other, sadly. So <laughs> originality won out in the end. <laughs> but I do have a question about that puddle that you stuck your head in. I'm sorry. The Q&A will have to wait till the end. <laughs> no, 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 no. If you're still here at midnight, you can ask your question. Because you said it had pus in it. Ew. And I have a question about where that pus is what from. Did you do? Tune in next week where we discuss where the pus came from <laughs> in the odd puddle by the side of the road. <laughs> dun, dun, so, dun. so instead of next week, what's in the box? It's what's in the puddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost done. Uh,. Real quick, we're just going to go through uh, what we're doing this week, and then we're going to ask you guys, uh, you know, what you have coming up, which would be of interest. That would be a Tony question. Um, uh, that's me cueing Tony, not yes. me cueing you guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, Tony has the schedule. You can that's think about I'm that like. for a little bit. We're going to start off with, uh, so September the 28th, uh, the Tomb of Horrors. The Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be on the Thread Raiders Twitch channel. It will be 7.30 p.m. Eastern. TK Canos will be um, actually DMing a game, and I will be in it, and I'm really excited. I've never played Tomb of Horrors before, so if you haven't seen it either, come out, hang out with us. Uh, we also have on Sundays, I am in a Fallout RPG game on Savrick's channel. That's S-A-E-V-R-I-C-K. You can follow him on Twitch, and then you can be notified that every Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we play that game. It is by Spilled Ailed Studios. And then uh, on November the 2nd, we have our Extra Life fundraiser, um, extra life, extra-life.org. 
uh, you can go to to sign up and if you want you can donate a little bit of money all of the funds raised will go to uh, children's hospitals around the united states and uh, on specifically from november 2nd to the 4th we will be having our now 48 hour stream uh, which will yes. feature it's expanded quite thread a bit. raiders <laughs> from goodness. all over the world. Uh, we got people in the midnight hour, people in the 3 a.m. hour. There's people during nap time. <laughs> <laughs> At all times, we will be covered for this event. Yes, we have all kinds of things. We have people who are going to be singing D&D, playing D&D. Uh, I came up with a, a new game with Daquin, uh, which is Dueling DMs, which is two very different DM styles coming together in one game. Yes, we have Honey Heist out there, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Chaotic Good is going to be coming out to hang out with us, same as Nerds from Nowhere podcast. Um, Maxine will also be there, and she's going to be DMing some her her own style DMD games, which I'm really excited to see what she's got going on. And there's also a tabletop loot stream, which will be there. And we're doing a lot of giveaways during the weekend. We're going to be doing a silent auction in there. So it's a lot of good times. Uh, it is 24 hours straight for all three days. So um, come support us. If you're awake at 3 a.m. and you can't sleep, come hang out with us because I'll be there. <laughs> and as a way of drawing in some extra guests, uh, it is distinctly possible that somebody might eat some dehydrated pizza uh, at some point. during. The, but you won't know when it's going to happen. So you'll have to stay as long as possible <laughs> yes wow. it's, actually, it's actually a funny story i ate pizza online live and it became like a thing so people now send me in my mailbox food to eat live <laughs> and now i have like this foodie following <laughs> wow so random do you eat like so extra graceful I, or it's just no just random things people send me and like stranger danger so usually like i mean this is between us i go out and i rebuy the bag of whatever it is so i can eat it because i know it's safe yep, <laughs> that's that's fair, yeah. 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 That's fair. <laughs> but uh also people send me requests to eat stuff so i was at walmart and there was bag of pizza like bag of pizza, bag of pizza. <laughs> yeah oh I, yes i saw that on twitter i think yes not it was it me because i ate it live <laughs> <laughs> must have been i definitely saw somebody post bag of pizza yeah. and i was confused so clever <laughs> those the italians thing <laughs> so they asked for like the extra life fundraiser if i would eat things live and i was like well i guess if it's for the kids why not like <laughs> two hours of eating things. <laughs> it's really odd they're like let's talk and eat okay <laughs> So, yeah. And then we also want to mention on November the 30th to December the 2nd, uh, TK and CA will be at PAX Unplugged in Philly. Woohoo! Yes, we will be there. So if you want to come hang out, play games with us, uh, we'll even you know get a D&D game together if that's what everybody wants to do. And we'll also be seeing Acquisitions Incorporated. So I love seeing those guys play that. And we have officially petitioned the cupcake truck from Indianapolis uh, to come, <laughs> and uh, but we don't we haven't heard a word back yet. So we'll we'll keep you up to date on that one. I don't think the flying cupcake knows that we talk about them in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> like we should really I mean, tell them. They make pretty majestic cupcakes. So they are majestic. Did you try the Magencon? Yeah, we did. When um, oh Tony, were you there? It's when we were with uh, Tabletop Loot. We were like cupcakes. Oh, What's you happening? you went and <laughs> got well, them. They had, yeah, like, yeah. They had like an infinity gauntlet cupcake. <laughs> yep. It's so cool. I love the ideas that they come up with. They had like a Harry Potter one also. It was like a butterbeer flavor cupcake. Yes. And lots of things had sparkles. So yes. oh, yes. everything better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so sad. I miss this now. For $80 a dozen plus shipping and handling, when those cupcakes arrive at your house, they better grade the papers for the kids because uh, that's the only way it makes it worth it. <laughs> 
And guys, uh, real quick, do you guys have anything that's coming up that uh, you want to talk about? We release every Monday. Um, our next episode coming out is our serviceable plots uh, episode, which will be episode four and their first combat for this campaign. Ooh. Because we talk a lot and fight a little. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, it's nope, no. Regrets. It's always a lot of fun, but the combat gets uh, tense for sure. <laughs> I bet. Uh, after that, we release another one of our Rules is Written episodes for the first of the month. Uh, I think we were trying to schedule going forward that our Rules is Written would be on the first Monday of every month. And this next one, I believe, is on spell casting and me the mechanics and components and all that. Nice. With Death by Mage. Yes. Oh, as our guest. Another thread reader. Yeah. yeah. By the way, we realize that's only part one. We have to do a part two because we didn't get to cover everything. We wound up yeah. <laughs> as we were coming up to time and we were looking at other things like, wow, we covered like an eight. Yeah, like barely anything <laughs> in terms of, of all of it. But so we still have to schedule the next one for that. And then after that, we'll be uh, going back and forth between Rumble Squad and Serviceable Plots. We also are going to be releasing the uh, what we called our op women one shot that Yay. that we did together yeah. so that is what the kale and <laughs> the camel, camel, camel jokes were referencing yeah, so if you want to find so, out more about their story you should watch their podcast <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have the release date set for that but it will be uh in the coming weeks probably after rachel gets back from new zealand <laughs> yeah oh nice yeah yeah we love her, but we resent her. I'm so sorry. She's going on a trip of a lifetime to New Zealand. So jealous. But I'm paying for it with stress. So I know because we're planning a two-week trip. And it'll be it'll be awesome. Yeah. So that'll be coming out probably in about a month. Yeah. So I'm excited to release that as well. And part of that will be released on our feed at D and D Raw, but also uh, the ending will be on Rachel's podcast feed. Epic endings. Woo. Because it will be the epic ending that <laughs> was promised. It will be an ending. It will be that an ending. <laughs> it, it was a time. I just want to go on record as saying, so I am famous for driving my DMs mad um, by not going into battle and staying back in town and like trying to upgrade my headquarters and trying to buy properties <laughs> and then you know getting people to work in my properties and then asking them you know oh hey did they make anything this week and yeah we've talked about our apparently overwhelming desire to turn every game we play into some sort of Sims game mm -hmm. yes. like this town looks like it just needs a little love and a little work look at this we'll go adventure for the money so we can use the money fix up the town so we can live in the town because that's what we really care about forget fighting evil we care about the people yeah. and the farmers and the shopkeepers yeah this all started with your game that we're still finishing up by the way that's why I'm running a three year game where they are still fighting, trying to fight the main evil but they have done wonderful things for their starting town i love dungeons and more dungeons i've been playing it for years so i'm <laughs> right there with you well done well ladies and gentlemen first of all i want to thank all of you our listeners for uh, tuning into this podcast we hope you enjoyed it uh, also i'm going to thank DD &D raw the three tonys <laughs> here for our entire show it has been really great having you all you are great and uh, we really enjoyed our time together Oh, thank hey, you so much yeah, for having us. Yeah, And we also want to thank our sponsor, Tabletop Loot. Uh, if you go to Tabletop Loot right hey. now, uh, you can use the code THREADRAIDERS in the, uh, in the, the little shop uh, in order to receive a massive, massive discount on your... Uh, I, don't, I don't 
maybe massive <laughs> is wrong. A sizable. Yeah. A sizable. An impressive discount. Signi- surprising. It's a surprising discount yeah. given how little we've actually provided. But it is a discount nonetheless uh, to whatever it is that you happen to be buying. And if you enjoyed our show, please tell your friends. And uh, if you could give us a tweet, that would help us out. Also, for those of you who are interested in the Thread Raiders, you can find out all about us on threadraiders.com, where we have links to all of our social media properties, including Twitter, Instagram, etc., etc., etc.